So the, that expression that, you know, build a better mousetrap and the world will be the path to your door, this is not true. You will be in a warehouse by the interstate with a million <laughs> mousetraps and nobody will know that you exist. You're not there as a distraction for them. You are trying to make, in my case, you're trying to make their bar program better. It's good that we live in Texas, you know, this uh, 28 million people who kind of, you know, all have the same sort of palate in a sense. You know, sometimes you get a big order and you're packing candy or salt at midnight, or you wake up early to do it. But no one's told me to do it. I don't have to do it. You are listening to Fort Worth Food Stories, brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. All right, welcome to Fort Worth Food Stories. I'm your host, James Creange. Today, I am joined by Scott Hackler from Halo Del Santo. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, James, it's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Um, so can you start off just by telling me about your company and your product and uh, maybe just a little bit about how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I make a spicy sour margarita salt uh, that also ends up on lots of uh, Bloody Marys, Micheladas, Palomas, whatever you would put salt on the rim of. Uh, it's something that uh, I started selling back in. My first sale was July of 2014, so I'm into my fifth year now of doing it, based in Fort Worth. Um, I uh, let's see, wh- where can I start? Gosh, it's like it's you know it fills your days for years, and you don't know where to start talking about <laughs> it. Um, I can tell you that um, my brother and I, I have two younger brothers. One of them went down with me to Mexico in uh, the spring of 2010. And that would have been when I got the idea to start it. Though I came back to the States and kept at my corporate life for a couple more years. But at uh, during that trip, we went to Guadalajara. He and I, Matt is his name, this brother. And um, we went out to tequila and we toured some distilleries, as you have to do. And um, at the at the end of the tour of the the biggest one we saw. It may be the biggest one in the world. It was the Jose Cuervo Distillery. They gave us a frozen strawberry margarita, which I thought was funny. We're here in the town of Tequila in the mountains in, in, in Jalisco out there. And, um, you know, it was a frozen strawberry margarita with a chili lime salt rim. I, I, I recognize the taste. There's a product called Tajin out there that is known in Mexico. It's from the city of Guadalajara. It's very much a national brand like Heinz Ketchup. Everyone knows it down there. And it's available for sale in the U.S. Um, you can find it uh, at, you know, different stores around Fort Worth and stuff, too. And I remember tasting it and loving it back this was you know like i said over eight years ago and you see chili lime rims in restaurants in the u.s now but it wasn't so common then and i thought that it was a big improvement over kosher salt alone and so that was the that was really the beginning of it for me thinking that i could do this i could make it my own tweak it a bit and and sort of market it a little bit differently than they do and what was the difference then uh, between, I mean, obviously there's extra flavors in there, but but what separates it to make it that much better? Yeah, so I think that if you do if you do a side-by-side comparison, um, you know, mine has more of a lime-forward taste. That's one thing I think makes it go well with not just the sweet and sour cocktails like the margaritas and palomas and the savory stuff like the micheladas and the Bloody Marys, but also Mexican beers. You don't need half of a lime squeezed in the glass. You've got the lime is dehydrated lime juice is one of the ingredients in the product, and you can taste it. Also, the first ingredient in mine is a good quality kosher flake salt. And a lot of the other ones are, they'll start, the primary ingredient is a chili pepper. Um, so it, uh, I think that if you're rimming a cocktail and you set out to create something that is a rimmer for cocktails, that kosher salt is the best first ingredient. I think that a lot of the other ones were chili salts that were for sprinkling on fruit and corn and whatnot, they got pressed into service behind the bar because there wasn't anything else 
really made for it. So I wanted to set out to make one that was made for a top shelf craft chili lime rimming salt. And that's what I've made in this. So with traditional salt, uh, from my understanding at least, the reason it's it's on a margarita or a different drink is is to kind of enhance the flavors of everything around it. Yeah. When you add that extra lime and, and the chili in there, does it change the flavor of the drink at all, or or does it just enhance the experience like the salt? Well, I, you know, it's it's sort of a subjective thing. You know, it's, you've probably read what I've read that you know when you add salt, it's sort of, you know, I, you know, there are different ways to kind of break it down, but it it sort of is another taste note that's not present usually in the in the glass. Um, it, it would be in a Bloody Mary or a michelada, but it's not in the uh, margaritas and palomas. But, you know, you it's almost like your palate wants to have a lot of things going on at once. If you taste a candy and all you taste is sweet, it's not super duper interesting. But when you add some other components, some tartness or um, some spice, as they do traditionally in Mexico, it just wakes your palate up a little bit. And so, you know, I don't know if it's for everyone necessarily. I love it. I People tend to love it. Um, the closer someone is to Mexico, the people who were born and raised in Mexico uh, or who went back to visit cousins or grandparents, they tend to love it the most. So it makes me feel good that I've gotten something that is uh, it's authentic and um, that people who, who can make decisions of what are served, that they're bar managers or bar owners uh, who have roots south of the border choose mine when they they know what else is out there it makes you feel really good yeah i mean that seems like the ultimate compliment yeah right it, there. D- it does it really does it makes you feel like you got it right was there concern at first that uh this might be too niche of a product uh to sell on the wholesale market well um you know it's good that we live in texas you know this uh, 28 million people who kind of you know all have the same sort of palate in a sense you know we all love uh cilantro and lime and chili so many of us do so if i were in northern maine or something it may be the dumbest idea ever but here it comes off pretty well people tend to like it good and yeah. and how did you get your uh product out um at first was it word of mouth yeah you know it's it is that um it, it you you just go out and you you do everything, right? I mean, so not just sales, which you're talking about, actually putting it, in, you know, allowing people to put it in their mouths and taste it. But, um, you know, you run the website and you and you consult with the graphic designers to get the branding right and you are sourcing the, the tins and, the, and the, the different labels and stuff. But you go out and you just beat the street, you drive around. And it's good, as, like I said, that we are in a place that you don't have to travel far to find people who like this sort of thing. So the DFW area, so many people. But then you just drive the Texas Triangle, and I started out doing that and um, going down to Houston and then Austin, San Antonio, and then back up. And there are so many places that you can you can stop. And then you see people move around. This guy or this gal used to work here. They bartended here. Then they go there. Then they call you and say, I'm at this new bar. I want it. We don't have it. Um, so that's the best thing is when you know somebody is pulling it right out of your hands. You don't have to go try to find it there. It makes you feel good too. So some of that, I don't know. It's just, uh, you just got to keep at it. Um, you know, it's, uh, I love it. So it's easy to talk about it and it's, it doesn't take a whole lot of, um, I think people can see the sincerity, you know, and then they, they like to meet the, the person who's behind the company too. There's probably something to that. Yeah, for sure. And, and I love that uh, just about these podcasts in general is yeah. is allowing people to peek behind the curtain and, and see the person that's serving their food or yeah. or making their margarita uh, rim. You know, that, I think that's great. Um, what has your reception been like so far? Um, and maybe you can uh, centralize it to what uh, if there's a specific location uh, that you've had the most success in selling? Uh, your your product. That's a good question. You know, um, 
it, you know, we're here in this giant city that is Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington, and all the suburbs of 7 million people. And um, I have a lot of people that are serving it here and selling it, you know, talking about specialty grocers and and all of that. I can, I don't know if I'm supposed to call out specific companies or if I can, but Specs has been a huge customer from the beginning. And uh, we're in over 50 other stores around the state. So places like that, that, that believed in the product and that have seen their sales go up step by step over the years, they've been a big help. And, um, and their reps selling it to bars and restaurants in the state. But if I had to pinpoint one place to answer your question specifically, um, the city of Austin's been fantastic. And you know, it's funny because it's a smaller place in population, but I think that than say Houston or DFW Metro, but it, there's a lot of indie stuff down there. You walk into the bar, and I've, I've really tried to focus primarily on uh, sales to bars and restaurants. You walk in, and the owner is on the bar stool in the office. There's one location, maybe two, and they can say yes. They have the ability on the spot to green light something. It's not, you know email Jim in Chicago who doesn't know you and promptly deletes the email. <laughs> and I don't blame Jim in Chicago. He's busy and people are bugging him and whatever. But but when you can when that person can taste it and the owner's there and there's a lot of that in Austin. So they've been there've been uh, there's been a lot of success down there. That's interesting and, and it's a unique uh, perspective about Austin that mm-hmm. I think Fort Worth is in the process of, of trying to get like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. And there are of... places here that do. Mm-hmm. I don't mean, I love Fort Worth and I've lived here since uh, 2007. So I'd, I'm not one of these that's, you know, all about one city in the mm-hmm. state and the rest. Uh, no, but um, Fort Worth is very much coming up like that. And you can see it. Yeah. In I, just the years I've been here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you brought up specs before, and and I'm sure people have seen your candy sold in specs. I hope so. Uh, quite often, I I recognize it right away. You were uh, kind enough to bring some in for me today, um, but you uh, also uh, went into uh, making that candy as as well as the the margarita rim mix. Um, Where did you come up with the idea, and and how long did it take for you to get that all started? So. Um the candy came about as a second step. You know, I, I mentioned this July 2014 being my first sale, and um, that was, of course, a sale of uh, of the tens. You know, to uh, another play, retro cowboy. How's that in, in Sundance Square? <laughs> so right here in Fort Worth, and um, I, it, it occurred to me that if you took this this product that I had been selling, this chili lime rimmer, that if uh, if you were to blend it into lollipops of the right flavor, the flavors that traditionally um, – of the fruits that take salt fresh, like a watermelon, pineapple, mango, cucumber, some of these that you can sprinkle it on, that, that I could do that and I could give it as like a Christmas gift. This was six months out or something. And uh, I could give it as a Christmas gift to bars and restaurants that were serving my salt. Just say, hey, thanks remember me when the time comes to reorder or whatever. And um, I found a candy maker in West Texas who was making lollipops for banks, just grape and cherry, just kind of give away to your kids or whatever. And I, I, I found his list of flavors online. I found these ones that I mentioned. And um, the first one, set that I came out with was a uh, watermelon, pineapple, mango set. And um, I sent him a couple of two-pounders, usually meant for filling rimming trays in bars and restaurants. And... Um, he said, that's fine. We'll do it. And he made the candy for me to my recipe. And uh, he called me before he ever before I ever tasted them myself. And he said, don't give these away. They're delicious. <laughs> You've got to sell them, you know. And uh, I'm like, well, OK, I guess I'll go find some candy shops and all of this. And and um, 
So now places like Atomic Candy in Denton and Big Top Candy Shop in Austin and some really great top shelf places sell it. And um, you just go find those customers. So it kind of takes you out of the bars and restaurants a little bit and more into this other space. Um, so it's been fantastic. And then another set with tamarind, orange, and strawberry came out not long after that. And I'm always thinking about and messing around with new flavors. We'll almost certainly do a third and a fourth set as time goes on. But um, it has the chili salt blended evenly in it as opposed to just being on the outside. So I've eaten my weight in Mexican candy <laughs> made in Mexico. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I tend to break those with a hammer or something so that you could taste the salt and the chili and the sweet together. So I think with, with ours, you get that. I think that's yeah. that's really cool. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to trying them. Yeah. Um. Uh, you know, I I always see them in specs. Um. Mm-hmm. And you know, for one reason or another, I just never end up buying them. So. Yeah. Um. I think that's great, and and it's a a, a cool spot for you to be selling them. Um. Are you looking to expand at all and start making more than the rim mix and the candies, or are you just focused on expanding the flavors? Well, um, I, I'm occasionally asked that, you know, and um, I don't really know the right the right answer. I have some other ideas that. Um, of things that I might potentially get into down the road a piece, but I think there's probably still a long way to go with um, with the candy and the salt. And um, I've learned this experience that we just spoke about launching the candy, that it takes – it's almost like I'm happy and I'm fortunate that it happened that way and that I found a partner to make the candy and that it's been a success. But choosing what you're going to do is choosing what you're not going to do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so by choosing to go seek out the um, Atomics and the Big Tops to sell the candy to, that those are bars and restaurants, for instance, that you're not calling on. So I, you know, there are a lot of things you could do that are in keeping with the brand and that would fit it. But it would be taking your eye off the candy shops and the bars and restaurants to go and seek out these other guys. So you, I think that I don't know if you would want any advice or things that I've learned or something like that, but one would be that if if you are going to do line expansions, it's probably best that that the same customers might buy the new stuff because you don't have to go out and create new relationships. That's the hard thing. That's the time-consuming thing. And, um, and then you can just call up whoever that's your buyer at whatever company and say, um, you know, you like the candy. Well, here's this other thing that is, you know – you might like this too, and then they could find a place on the on the shelf, and you know. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I I did want to ask you, um, you know, some of your advice. I think you're a great example of a small business, a very small business, right? Yeah, um, that's yeah. running very successfully. So, um, you know, what would you say the biggest challenge has been? Is it that uh, creating relationships and maintaining those relationships, or is it something else? So, you know, I would say getting distribution. So the that expression that, you know, build a better mousetrap and the world will be the path to your door, this is not true. You will be in a warehouse by the interstate with a million <laughs> mousetraps and nobody will know that you exist. That's the truth of it. And, you know, I'm not trying to be a pessimist about it, but I think that, you know, there's no shortage of good ideas in this world. And there's no shortage of good um, products and foods and, and, and toys and what clothing and all of that. But people are busy. And they already have a place to buy food and clothes and toys. You know, they don't need you necessarily. So I think that um, I've got I've got distribution within the state of Texas and within the state of Oklahoma to bars and restaurants. So two of our fifty states, and that's just one country. But we'll just talk about this U.S. for now. So um, you know, you you go to there are 
places where you can connect with people. I think of Tales of the Cocktail in New Orleans. This is a kind of a liquor industry convention where the big and the very small boutique distillers reach out to bar owners, bar managers, especially professional sort of mixologists, some of whom have a million followers. I'm not exaggerating on Instagram, mm-hmm. where they're making cocktails, and they're really influencers. And and this is one example of a, of a place where distillers reach out, and, and people like me can reach out to them and, and uh, others who are in that world. There's nothing I would like better, James, than to have a national distributor who could just snap his fingers, her fingers, and put me in all the other 48 states where I am <laughs> not, and just drop me into the bucket of things that their reps sell. Um, I know that a big liquor distributor um, is selling oceans of Jack Daniels and oceans of Jose Cuervo, and that I'm an afterthought. But if they're selling olives and they're selling these other things, I want to be in that space. And then whenever somebody says, you know, to their Jack Daniels, Jose Cuervo rep, um, along with those olives, what do you have? What other salts do you have? Or, Or even better, that the rep would say, you know what? What kind of salts do you put on your Bloody Marys and your margaritas? Um we've got this one that's out of Texas and here, try that. And then they'd be actually actively talking about it. So the big thing is trying to get a, a distributor. And um, I don't blame them. They don't, they generally don't want to take on something that is, unless you have a whole bunch of customers that you could point them to. They don't want anything sitting in their warehouse. They have lots of stuff in their warehouse. And so it's almost like, you need a big distributor to get big customers. But a big distributor doesn't want you until you can give them a big customer. So it's this chicken or the egg thing, right? So it's almost like you're out in the Atlantic in a tiny little dinghy and you're trying to, you know, harpoon a whale. <laughs> and if by some miracle you do it, then then they'll take, okay, well, I've just landed chilies. Or I, or just some, I'm thinking of some big chain with a lot of a lot of and then the big liquor distributors or big anybody distributors food distributors um will take you but how are you supposed to harpoon a whale in a in a lifeboat you 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 just have to make magic happen you have to just keep going you know there i saw a great there's a uh, some sort of a japanese expression apparently that is um fall down eight times what is it no fall down seven times get up eight something like that I thought that was so great. That's what it is. Um, so you just have to keep at it. And, and Or maybe you can get lucky and you just find the buyer inside that big distributor who tastes it, loves it, believes in you, and gives you a chance and says, I know you don't have the chilies or the Applebee's or whatever would, whatever giant chain would catch their attention, but we're going to help you, and we don't have this product, and we're going to help you get those big those big customers. I've got a two-part question for you here. Uh, One is going off of that. How do you keep yourself from getting discouraged um, when you're not harpooning that whale? Um, And then the other part of the question is, how do you find the balance between coming across as confident in your product and wanting to get your product out there and uh, pushy and annoying (laughs) and, you know, sending too many emails, too many calls, whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great. (laughs) I don't know. It's it's tough to know, right? Because you... um, you don't want to bug somebody, and you don't want to annoy them. Um, but you know, you you also you also want to not not just go away and and fade away and lose that contact and have it grow cold to where it's it's gotten so cold that they don't remember you. They're busy. They they have people 
that are taking lots of shots on goal, right? I mean, lots of people from all over trying to get their boutique gin in there, just if you're thinking about liquor distributors, which is where I've kind of focused. Um, I think that uh, I don't reach out more than once a week. I mean, just personally, I don't know if this is the right amount. Maybe this isn't the right uh, right way to think about it. Um, I usually say something along the lines of, um, hey, I just wanted to let you know that if it's a voicemail or if it's something that is um, – if I do catch them on the phone or even in person potentially in some cases, I just want to let you know that I haven't forgotten about you, that I would say I, I haven't forgotten about you. And I think that's a good way to frame it, that that you're letting them know that you're also busy. And I am busy. Maybe I'm, I'm not as busy as the guy that's the buyer for Republic National or Southern Glazers or some of these guys, but um, but your days are full and you could be doing a lot of things and you're, you're choosing to reach out to them. And um, that leads me to another thing that they would give in the way of advice is, you know, I think sometimes that you you walk into a place and it's th- that person is going to have a full day of work if you don't show up or you don't call them or you don't email them. They don't need you to fill their day. So you walk in and you see somebody who's a bar manager or a general manager of a busy restaurant and they're – they're busy. They're in the middle of something. They're they're talking to staff or they're talking to some other wine rep or they're doing something. And I think that well, early on I would say things like, well, I'm sorry to bother you. That's the first reaction is you you want to be polite. You want to show them that you know their time is valuable. But that starts off the conversation wrong. Never apologize. You're not there as a distraction for them. You are trying to make, in my case, you're trying to make their bar program better. You know, they have kosher salt. They need you. They're serving this other stuff that is maybe more of a grocery-grade product that has sort of, you know, it's just not meant for cocktails. It has visible chopped-up chili tops or grass in it or something. This is this is fine. This stuff is not going to kill you, but it's not a top-shelf craft cocktail rimmer. And so I think if you apologize, then it's almost like even if they're happy to see you, it sort of frames it like, yeah, I was busy. This guy's wasting my time. You need to get out of here. And so it's kind of changes, and you can almost kind of see the look on their face, like, yeah, I need to get back to that. And so very quickly I realized, don't apologize. If they're taking the time to meet with you, they're grown people. They can decide what they want to do. They could have told their hostess to tell you to get lost. You know, they, they're they there meeting with you for some reason, and um, even just to see what you're about. So don't apologize. You're there to help them, and you have to remember that. Um, so I want to ask you, uh, going back to an uh, earlier question, um, what, what's your definition of success, and, and do you consider yourself a success uh, in your business? Yeah, you know, that's a great, great, great question because I think it's easy to say, you know, I've been at this, I'm into my fifth year. I don't, you know, I have, I only have distribution in two states. This is not good enough. Or I thought I would be at 30 by now. Or to have these figures in your head or these stats in your head and then try to measure yourself against them. But I think that if you are truly happy in what you're doing, you know, I'm truly happy in what I do. I, I, I go to bed when I go to bed, want to go to bed. I wake up when I want to wake up. You know, sometimes you get a bo- big order and you're packing candy or salt at midnight or you wake up early to do it. But no one's told me to do it. I don't have to do it. You know, I, I'm thinking to myself, you know, I've got a few things kind of cooking down in Houston. I've, I need to go see that guy, that gal. I need to call in that bar, that restaurant. There's that one part of town that's really hot. There's stuff coming up. I want to go and see what I can do in there. But I don't have to go. It's up to me. And that's... That makes all the difference. So I think that if you are doing what you want to do and and you can pay the bills, you know, this 
I'm able to pay the bills. You know, I uh, when you when I go down to make this trip to Houston, I won't stay at the Four Seasons. You know, you go to the Hampton Inn or whatever, but you go eat the eight dollar enchilada plate. But you know what? I like Hampton Inns just fine, and I like eight dollar enchilada plates, and I don't want to go hang out with the guys in the Four Seasons anyway. So this is, uh, you know, it's. That's that success to me is just being happy, being your own boss, no one telling you what to do. If I want to go to New Orleans for Tales of the Cocktail, I just went out to um, there's the Trans-Pecos uh, Festival of Music and Love, I think is the official name, which is a pretty good name for it, out in Marfa at El Cosmico. Um, and by the way, a couple of the bunkhouse hotels, uh, El Cosmico, to give them a shout out, and the Hotel Havana in San Antonio, they serve our salt, and uh, God bless them. San Jose might be. Anyway, I love Bunkhouse. I'm a big fan of Liz <laughs> Lambert and her crew. But um, if I want to go out there and I want to, you know, stop along the way in Abilene and, and Midland and Odessa and Marfa and Alpine, no one's going to tell me not to do it. No one's going to say, you know what, that's a lot of gas or, you know, the sales don't justify that trip. You really need to go to Philadelphia, or um, not to pick on Philly, it's a great city too, but I want to decide. And that's the big thing is I, I think if you five years ago or six years ago had said, you know, you're going to have your own business, you're going to be your own boss, what's the best part of that? It's having complete control over my calendar, my schedule. That's the big thing. This waking up when I want, going to sleep when I want, but no one telling me I have to be somewhere, you know. In my old life, I spent 10 years being a um, a global product manager for medical device makers, great ones. I mean, General Electric, Medtronic, and I learned a lot, and that was important work, and I had s- some good times and met some cool surgeons and whatnot, good friends there. But that, uh, I really don't want to wake up at 6.30 and go to a cadaver lab in the basement of a medical school in St. Louis ever again. There's nothing against that. There's great stuff that happens down there. That's how devices get better. That's how surgeons learn their craft. But it's not for me. I've done that. I did it for a decade. I do want to drive to Marfa and, you know, drink margaritas and stuff. This is what I do now. <laughs> I, I think that's awesome. And, and that's, uh, <laughs> you're basically living the dream. It's great. <laughs> it's cool. The other paid better. Yeah. A lot better. A lot better. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can't put money, you can't put a price tag on uh, on happiness. Right. right that's right. Um, <laughs> that's compensation too. Happiness is compensation. Exactly. Freedom is compensation. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I want to ask you kind of a more fun question uh, to start to wrap things up. Uh, but on your website, you have 10 rest- recipes to 10 different cocktails um, that you think that your salt mix would would go well with. Uh-huh. Do you have a favorite? And you can't say margarita. Yeah. So um, that's. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you looked at the website. I'm really proud of that because uh, those are some very, uh, some very favorite cocktails of mine. And I do have my favorite margarita recipe and my favorite Bloody Mary recipe. But I also have tried to put things on there that are a little bit harder to find and, and that are regional even within Texas. So you might have noticed the Chilton, which is a really big deal in Lubbock. And if you leave, if you went to Tech or you're from Lubbock, then you know it and love it and people drink it. It's a vodka cocktail, which you would think that Texas is you know, all about, and certainly West Texas, all about uh, tequila and now mezcal coming up more and more. But um, it's a great cocktail, and it's really from from that city. So I've got the recipe from that one's from Texas Monthly that uh, that was published and is a beautiful drink. So there are there's a shot whenever I have done. I've worked some events in El Paso over these years, and whenever I am doing samplings and tastings in El Paso, when someone tastes my 
chili lime salt, when they taste Halo del Santo, they don't say, oh, this would be great on a margarita or this would be great on a Bloody Mary, though certainly they do drink them. They drink a salt rim on those things. They say this would be great on a pepino shot. Hmm. That's always what they say. Yeah. Uh, pepino being cucumber or pickle it also. And yeah, my Spanish is not so great, but there it is. And um, it's a it's a great shot that has that cucumber taste and uh, always has a chili lime rim on it. That is a recipe that's also online. So this is a, a very long way to say, check it out. I'm glad you liked it. There are some great recipes that are very regional in nature on there. Um, probably my favorite one on there would be um, a, a paleta shot, which is from a very specific, not just from a certain city, but from a very specific bar that is a recipe from the Black Orchid Lounge in El Paso. And um, the uh, the gal that runs that, uh, Michelle, is very cool, and she provided her recipe. And there you go. I would suggest that people try that one out. It's The idea is that it tastes like, in a shot, what Mexican candy tastes like. And she serves it with Mexican candy on the side. So um, we have a lot of places that serve ours as a little kind of a sidecar. Um, thinking of Bird Cafe with a Paloma, Amber down there, who... Um, yeah, she's such a great um, mixologist. She does that with a Paloma and gives a candy. So, yeah, I'm getting thirsty, and it's 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 almost noon. So it's, it's almost yeah. time to drink a cocktail. I, guess. <laughs> I know. I was I was just going to make that comment as well. You know, you're making me want to drink over here. Yeah. Um, and, and what is the website for people to check out? Yeah, so they can go to halorim.com. That's H-A-L-O-R-I-M for Mary or for Margarita. Maybe it's better. <laughs> .com or halodelsanto.com. Points to the same place. Okay, awesome. Uh, Scott, thank you so much for coming on. I, I appreciate the time, and, and I really enjoyed uh, picking your brain on the business side You know, even more than uh, just your product. Awesome, James. Thank you so much. I had a great time. That interview was brought to you by the Culinary School of Fort Worth. Located on Camp Bowie Boulevard, the Culinary School of Fort Worth is helping future chefs pursue their dreams every single day. You can reach out for more information or to schedule a tour on their website at csftw.edu. That's csftw.edu. Or you can reach them by phone. It's 817-737-8427. That's 817-737-8427. Also, you could check them out on social media to see what's going on daily at the school. If you look up Culinary School of Fort Worth, you'll find us on Facebook and Culinary School FTW on Instagram.